and welcome to the Text in Us podcast. I'm George Fricks, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, L. Grover Fricks, to resume our conversations in the book of Genesis with chapter 6. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Chapter 6, Scroll of Bereshit. When humanity broke out to become a many, like arrows upon the face of the ground, and daughters were born to them, the sons of the Elohim saw that the daughters of humanity were good, and they took women to themselves from all that they chose. Yahweh said, My spirit do not contend within humanity forever, for indeed he is flesh. Their days shall be 120 years. There were the fallen ones in the land in those days, and also after that, when the sons of the Elohim and the daughters of humanity arrived, heroes were born to them from eternity, men of the name. Yahweh saw the multiplied evil of humanity in the earth, and every creation of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all day. Yahweh sighed that he had made humanity in the land, and he was anguished to his heart. Yahweh said, I will wipe humanity, whom I carved, from upon the face of the ground, from humanity to the silent ones, to the gliding ones, to the flying ones of the sky, for I sigh that I have made them. Noach found Chen in the eyes of Yahweh. These are the generations of Noach. Noach was a just man, complete in his era. Noach walked with the Elohim. Noach fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japhet. The land had been destroyed in the presence of the Elohim. The land was filled with eager violence. God saw the land, and look, carnage. All flesh had destroyed their path upon the land. God said to Noach, The boundary line of all flesh has come before me. For all the land is filled with eager violence from their presence. Look, I will destroy them with the land. Make for yourself a box of reeds. Make nests in the box and cover it inside and outside with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the box shall be 300 ama, 50 ama the width and 30 ama the height. Make a glistening light like the noonday sun for the box and ama, and you shall finish it above the opening of the box in its side. You shall make it set with lower seconds and thirds. I, look, am bringing the flood of water on the land to destroy under heaven all flesh which has in it the spirit of life. Everything that is in the earth shall breathe out their life. But I will cause to arise my cut agreement with you, and you shall go into the box, you and your sons and your woman and your sons' women with you. From all that lives, from all flesh, two of everything, you shall bring to the box to keep them alive with you, male and female, of the birds for their form, and from the silent ones for their form, and every gliding thing of the ground for their form. Two from all will come to you to be kept alive. You shall take for yourself from all the food that is eaten. You shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be for you f- and for them for food. 
Noah did all that God charged him. And so he did. All right. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Okay. There's a lot of stuff here. Uh, it's a super interesting chapter, and there's so much to look at in your translation. It's, um, it's pretty dense stuff. And it's the super dense. order is odd, right? We kind of bop around a little bit, but... Yeah. So our first section here in chapter 6 is verses 1 through 8, and it's kind of the setup to what happens next. And in this very first verse, you have this phrase that's uh, added in here, and it's like arrows upon the face of the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, this phrase here that's not in the other translations that I read. So. Right. Um, it's the arrows are from the many. So it's uh, the word the rav. Right. And that can be difficult to translate because sometimes we want to say great, but that's more like gadol. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you look at the picture behind the word, it's the it's like reaching back into your quiver and there's a bunch of arrows out there. And right. then the phrase after that is upon the face of the ground. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this imagery that I feel like we are familiar with because of the Psalms mm. Um, mm -hmm. has that famous passage about your children in quivers and arrows, right? Right. So uh, it does make sense. Uh, uh, and I really appreciate that you put that in there. Um, Good. So, yeah, no, it's great. Um, so moving forward in verse 2, uh, we have a return, and I keep coming back to this because it's so different to me, of this uh, the Elohim uh, used here instead of, you know, God. God, right? All the translations say God, but you have translated it the Elohim. And um, we've seen this in some previous chapters in chapter five mm -hmm. with uh, Hanoch in verse 22 of chapter right. five, walked with the Elohim. Um, Noach did too. Noach yeah. does too. We see it a couple other times in this chapter. Right. I just want to take seriously the fact that it has this that at the beginning. Yeah. And when we're talking about God, normally it, it does not have a that at the beginning. We don't say the God. Um, names never have, or titles right. never have a, a ha prefix right. in front of it. And this one has a ha prefix. And so to me, this is part of this interesting, supernatural sketch about what's happening at this time. And it is super fascinating right. um, that, yeah, I'm just being consistent with that that's in the text. I mean, translating it sons of God doesn't make any sense either, um, right? Like God has kids that are apparently different than the human kids. Right. And <laughs> and the sons are good and the daughters are bad, you know. Anyway, it's just, it gets tenuous for me when we make that leap. And so I would sure. rather re leave it at the Elohim and just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, and we see this translated a lot of different ways throughout the text, even in other English translations. We see it translated as... Uh, angels and as judge and mighty and great and which, all sorts of things. I mean, which it shouldn't be because there's a right. word for angel and there's a word for judge and there's a word for something else. And I just want to be consistent. Right. Um, I think that the author knew the word for judge and they would have used it if they yep. wanted to. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, so um, with that, do you kind of have a 
thought of what you feel like the text is trying to portray here? Yeah, you know, I've done the shout out to the Bible Project quite a few times on mm -hmm. their conversation about who the Elohim are, but um, it seems like they're spiritual beings. We see that in Psalm 8. It says we were made a little bit lower than the spiritual beings. We always see angels being mm -hmm. Malach, not Elohim. Um, and so they kind of, if you haven't gone over and watched it by now, um, they suggest that it includes all the different spiritual beings. So angels and demons and okay. cherubim and seraphim, right. all of the above they would call right. seraphim. Well, and we've had spiritual beings come up in the text already, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And um, and there it's, it's not the Elohim in that instance. So this is an even broader, more inclusive term than even what was used before. Well, I mean, it's the same as when we were talking about Hanoch, that was the Elohim. But I right. mean, the very first verse of the Bible is Bereshit bara Elohim. Um, yeah, so I mean, the word for God appears, and uh, if we're gonna be people who say that we want to take every word of the text seriously, <laughs> right. which many of us did come from that background, um, I think that we should actually do that and take it seriously. Yes, yeah, right. So in verse two, we have the sons of the Elohim, and it says that they saw that the daughters of humanity were good. Right, I think it's, sexist beyond belief that we translate the word tove to be beautiful like women you know good right. boring yeah they we're hot right no that stood <laughs> out to me because it's it's definitely not the word beautiful it's uh, not uh, there's which, lots of words for beautiful yeah. but it's just the feminine version of tove right so completely yeah. wild but yeah. whatever folks yep and that kind of seemed consistent throughout translations to have it be beautiful or the kjv used fair which is still you cool know, guys <laughs> yeah so um uh i appreciated that return to the language um you know and there's even some some uh garden of eden drawbacks there too of seeing something as good so I like that. Mm -hmm. um, in verse three, it's an interesting sentence. My spirit do not contend with humanity for uh, forever, for indeed he is flesh. Um, the word contend with humanity, I find fascinating. And uh, I did a little bit of research and, you know, ESV uses abide, which I kind of get why they go with abide well you have more empathy than i do <laughs> uh, but the word is not abide uh it's it's but it's confusing uh, uh, i feel like it's a complicated term that's hard to capture right so it's the word dean um but so that has to do with hierarchical ruling so there's a different word for rule that we are commanded to do right in the creation mandate it mm -hmm. says that we need to rule um this is not that word um but it's it's a similar word but not similar at all in its root um dean gets put next to mishpat as different kinds of justice right, right um sometimes and this is the from above coming down hierarchical justice so i went with contend there which i mean if i was publishing i might i might think about changing it to something else but it's 
it's an attempt to say that the spirit here is trying to enforce God's values yeah. onto humanity. And because humanity is not shema'ing, right? They're not being obedient. Right. They're not listening. It's turned into a contentious thing rather than a partnership thing or, you know, an obedience thing. Any of those words, it's become a contentious thing. So that's why I left it there like that. But my spirit do not contend within. It doesn't say over humanity. Right. So even when God is being um, more hierarchical, he's not doing it over us. He's doing it within us. Yes. And I think that's why the ESV tried to go with abide, even mm. though it's really not abide. Because uh, abide does not capture that tension right. that exists there. Yeah, I would use like yeshav for sit <laughs> or dwell. Right. <laughs> there right. was plenty of other things if it was the word abide and it's not. It's dean. Yes. So I, I like the choice of contention. Um, it's more thought provoking. Um, and so I appreciate that. Um, uh, and... I I think God's like reasoning here is fascinating. He's he says, "Don't get so worked up about it." I guess because they're flesh. Which, if we focus back on the yeah. Elohim thing, it's like, oh, there's spiritual forces at work, and there are you know, not meat bags running around, <laughs> a little yeah. bit dire. But um, you know, there we're not as attuned to those things or we fall easily prey to those things seems to be the inference that God's making here. Right. Well, and the the reference of them as flesh is odd even, mm -hmm. right? This is kind of, I think this is the first time that shows up in the text in reference to man as flesh. Um, I mean, they talk about um, the flesh closing around the wound when God removed his rib, mm. right? But it's not referring to man as flesh. Right. Um, it's not who he is. It's just right. a part of him. Right. It's not who he is. But now, but... post-fall, we've lost our spiritual nature, apparently. Right. And in this chapter, that term flesh comes up several times mm -hmm. um, in reference to man. So uh, it is an interesting verse there. So have to move on so we don't camp out there all day. I know. There's there's a lot to get to, so I'm going to keep going. Uh, verse 4, the fallen ones. Um, you know, the Nephilim is a, a common topic of discussion yeah. because it's so f unusual and fantastical. Yes. Uh, I think it's kind of hilarious what we choose to transliterate in our Christian traditions and yes. what we choose to leave as. But right. the word Nephal, 100%, zero doubt about it means fallen right um and the em is just the plural so it's the ones that fell uh more fallen ones right and i just think it's super fascinating that instead of grappling with that we're like mm, right we'll let's just, just, leave let's it just in cover Hebrew. that one up yeah <laughs> yeah super odd so bringing in the transliteration uh i think is great because it adds some clarity that you might just otherwise skim over because Nephilim, no idea. Keep going. No idea. Move on. Yeah. yeah. Fallen so, ones. I like that. And then I love this phrase, heroes were born to them from eternity, men of the name. Mm. It's so good. Uh, such great imagery. Um, I like it a lot. Excellent. Yes. I, I'm curious. I know we don't have all the time in the world, but, and also after that, like how long were the fallen ones in the land? Tell me more, narrator. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Mysterious. 
Yes, because it it makes it seem like there's a continuation. Right, and um, it doesn't tell us when it's done. Right. Or has it ever finished? Right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then why bring it up, right, if they're always there, right? Yeah. You don't see, like, Good and there point. were giraffes, and they were there after. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe George is because Jesus is king now. Okay. <laughs> Not then, apparently. All the right. Trinity didn't exist yet. All right. Okay. Heresy aside. Yes. Jokes. Yes. So, Noach, in verse 8, finds Chen in the eyes of Yahweh. So, tell me about Chen, because we just talked about transliterating things in the text. Yeah. And here and we have here something. I go. Yes. Hypocritas. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. why so, this and not Nephilim? Right. Sure. Okay. Well, Nephilim is because that one's super straightforward. Yep. Um, Chen is the word that we usually translate grace or favor. Right. And those are separate, differentiated ideas. Um, I don't even love um, the word grace just carries so much theology for us or for right. people who grew up in the church, right? As soon as we think grace, we think means of grace and we think um, all sorts of things. But grace originally... Um, comes from the old French and didn't show up as a word until the late 12th century. And right, so which is a super common thing with scripture right. uh, and when looking at it with the English. Which, I mean, can make sense that we're trying to come up with things right. that to describe what we need. That's how language works. But the picture behind chen is of God bending down um, in order to... Um, just like bending down toward a kid like mm. if your kid is tugging on your pant leg and you bend down toward them to say what is it that's the picture behind him okay. so, so not quite the same as kneeling to serve but it no. is a drawing near kind of kneeling it is a drawing near it's a what do you need it's a hum there you know it takes some humility it takes time right. god's being present with us it takes all those things and then um around the topic of grace as long as we're doing shout outs um uh misreading the bible through individualist eyes has an amazing breakdown of grace as being part of this patronage system hmm. um and everybody should go read it and it's a whole whole sermon <laughs> that i'm not going to make time for here but what i will point out about it is that it says that noah found him and so often right we imagine grace only in our very strict theological terms. God gives us grace, the end. Um, and I'm not saying that that theology is wrong, but I am saying that in Genesis uh, chapter 6 in this verse, that Noah found, and that's right. a very active, like, Causation. I lost my phone for the millionth time, and I need to go find it. Yes. Um, and it's something that he found. So interesting. It is interesting. And... Uh... So continuing with Noah and this second half, so verses 9 through 22, we have in verse 11 the phrase, the land had been destroyed in the presence of the Elohim. Uh, and there's a few interesting things in this verse that I wanted to look at. The first is that uh, in your translation, the land had been destroyed. And right, this is pre-flood. It hasn't been destroyed yet by God, but the land has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. um, normally we would see corrupted um, right. or some form of that. 
Um, and I do think there is a little bit of um, justification for something like corrupted, even though that's not quite the same mm-hmm. image as the word. Um, but, you know, if you think of like ruined, mm-hmm. uh, it has kind of like a corroded, right, right, uh, worn away. But um, destroyed is more uh, true, I feel like, to what the word is, uh, which is uh, sahat, right? Close Shahat. <laughs> Shahat. Okay. Shahat. All right. BLB letting me down. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So, Shahat. Shahat. <laughs> don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, which means to destroy or ruin. So, that it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, the second thing I wanted to look at in the verse is that this happened in the presence of the Elohim. Um and we've already talked about the term Ha Elohim and the Elohim, uh, but saying that it was done in their presence is interesting to me. Um, yeah, I kind of read that as because of the presence of the Elohim. Like when we pay attention to what's actually the Elohim and what's Elohim, right? Because in the next verse, when it's God saw the land, that's Elohim saw the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, God said to Noach, that's Elohim said to Noach. Um, but when it's the Elohim, Again, I kind of see this chapter as a cinematic thing of what's going on post-fall when you have these spiritual beings running amok on the land um, and humanity partnering with them in tragic ways. And so it's kind of like because of that partnership, rather than partnering with God, the land is just utterly destroyed, right? We had that line before. Oh, no, it's right after all flesh had destroyed their path upon the land. Right. So wherever a particular person is going, only destruction is in their wake. Right. The opposite of shalom. Right. um, The opposite of completion and wholeness. Right. And so I, I see the Elohim there, not like them sitting back and being like, whoa, I didn't see this one coming. But as part of what's going on here. Um, right. With, which is also fascinating because there's certainly overtones of sexual violence in this chapter. Um, because it starts out with them taking women to themselves, yep. which, you know, is extremely um, straightforward about what that means. And so the violence is not confined to one dimension or domain and that kind of violence ends up being a perpetration or perpetration is that a word um upon the whole earth upon the whole planet right yeah and the and the fact that it's all flesh had destroyed their path upon the land um i like that um it makes me think back to um again this word uh, etzer, uh, mm-hmm. which we have in Genesis two, two when referring to man and woman, mm-hmm. um, but it's also the word that's used to describe God's relationship with us mm-hmm. is in the Psalms all the time, all right. throughout the Psalms. Or God, one of the words that's used. Right, God is our helper, our right, uh, etzer, our ally, military ally. Come on, George. <laughs> right, yeah, but um, the midrash behind that word in Genesis is that when the person is walking upright that his etzer is an ally to him but mm-hmm. when he is not when uh, he is destroying the path upon the land mm-hmm. then the etzer is in contention with him mm-hmm. right just yeah, like your verse sense. before God's the spirit was in con- contention with in man 
Right. Right. So I, I like how all of that ties together. It comes together. It does. It does. All right. Um, what you got? So the land was filled with eager violence, mm-hmm. uh, which is a modification um, from just violence. Right. Which is what we normally see. Right. So I had made that choice to define the word which we usually translate evil to Mm. be violence um, Mm -hmm. and the picture behind that is smashing so destroying violence smashing violence loud violence Um, and the word behind Hamas which if you're thinking wait a second Hamas yes that's not the name that the group chose for themselves that was the name given to them obviously they did not choose to call themselves violence um so it's the word hamas and it has the idea of being quick um being fast being Mm -hmm. slippery to immediately go and do something being excited um to go do something evil rather than like accidentally dropping a plate would make a loud shattering (laughs) small act of violence but this is a forethought and enthusiasm so eager okay yes so because of all this God tells Noah to build a box of reeds. He does. Yes, which I love. I mean, I don't know where we get gopher wood from. Yeah. Um, so I, I did a little dive on the research here, and gopher is just a Hebrew word. And if you look up, like, what's gopher wood anyway? Um, I've heard you sing the song a hundred yeah. times. Um uh, they're not sure what it is. So I looked through the different linguistic guesses. Some people said Cypress. Some people said Cedar. Um, but when we look at when the Assyrian um, languages, it has a word that actually means gofer, and that word is reeds. And there's a lot of crossover between Assyrian and Hebrew. Yeah. And some of that research is newer and has only come to light much more recently as uh, Akkadian has kind of popped off as a hot spot for for academics to right. camp in well i love it because to me that draws a nice little connection with moses right and his basket which is his famously arc. the right it's the same word yeah for the ark of the box yes um yep so i really like that connection there you know i mean go for wood i've, I've yeah i don't know what it is so um Reads is great. Now you know, possibly. <laughs> yes. So uh, there's a description for a part of the box of reeds, right. uh, which also draws my attention, which is a glistening light like the noonday sun. Super interesting description. I've seen translations that say this is a roof, like the ESV. Um, some say a window. Um, there's right. uh, ESV has a footnote that suggests skylight. Um, which I don't know how they can suggest both roof and skylight and think they're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting. It reminds me actually of Isaiah 58. Mm, um, yeah. You uh, make your righteousness like the noonday sun. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. 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 That was what I was thinking of too um, when I decided to write it that way. Oh, great. But um, yeah, so there's a word for window, chalom. It's not that. <laughs> there's right. a word for roof. It's not that. Um, it's the word tzohar, which if uh, there's anybody who's familiar with, um, you know, important Jewish writings, the Zohar is all about God's light. Um, that's come down mm. and dwells within all things and has been fractured into all these pieces. 
it's an amazing, beautiful book that in Judaism you're not supposed to study until you're over the age of 40. So, oopsie daisy. Okay, we're hitting there a little early. Yeah, <laughs> just a smidge. Um, but anyway, it's the word I chose, like the noonday sun, because it's the root of the word for noon. And the picture behind right. it is something glistening, kind of like oil. So off of that, when you look at the Midrash, there's two suggestions. One of them, given the picture that this glistening reminds us of oil, um, they said one author or one collection of thinkers in the Midrash thinks that it's um, an oil lamp, which kind of makes sense. Um, But it seems to be an ama, which is... um, uh, how many inches is that? I I looked up how many inches it is, but that would be a big oil lamp because, you know, that's like the length of your forearm or whatever. Hmm. Um, and I don't know how your oil lamp is supposed to not burn down your whole arc when you're tossing and turning in this huge, you know, the biggest storm that has ever been. Um, and so the other tradition, which I think is fascinating, is that it's a gem that like hmm. he had to get creative because of fire. <laughs> fire possibilities Uh um, of how to have any lighting inside and so he found this huge gem and he stuck it like in an opening in the roof yeah so it would come through kind of like a prism yeah Um, i think that's cool that That, that sounds great (laughs) i mean as far as ideas go either that or we just stick super spiritual and he conjured light right but it's the word for make so it doesn't say like, and God gave him a light. It was make fashion, right. fashion and a glistening light. So, so a bit of knows. a mystery there. Bit of a mystery, okay. but a fun mystery. Yeah, um, and you already mentioned ama, mm-hmm. which uh, is different than a cubit. Yeah. Um, so th- there's all these different definitions of cubits, and the ones that we tend to go with are the Roman cubits, but the okay. Um, rabbis and Talmud realized that there are all these different definitions for cubit, and so they gave one. Um, and so I racked up the using that that uh, measurement. I looked up the size of the ark, and it's a kind of a skinny and long foot, football field, so about a third right. longer than a regular football field, uh, and it's fifty feet high. So it kind of reminds me of like a mini mall in a suburban town. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know. But also three stories, three stories tall, which if you get into the Midrash, um, they have outlined like which one all the excrement went on. So they thought about it. They mm. they parsed it out, which, again, if you're in the middle of a storm, I don't know why that just wouldn't go over the side. But right. It will. Right. One for the excrement, one for the animals and the humans and one for the food what the midrash says well, you you're gotta, welcome you need guys. it for you need it for uh, just what our audience for his vineyards so. oh yeah maybe so maybe George. so okay so the last thing that i wanted to look at just briefly is <laughs> come for the bible stay for the excrement yes <laughs> um is uh this is is this our first covenant um our first word covenant i think so check that real fast i think it is um and you have cut agreement Mm -hmm. uh, instead of covenant which gives us a little bit more of a picture into what a covenant uh maybe in that time period 
uh, was. So can you tell me about that cut agreement choice of phrase? Sure. Yeah. Uh, the word is brit, and um, it's similar to, it's the same root as bara, actually. So when we translated that God carved the mm. world in the creation story, it's taking a knife to something, taking a tool to something. And of course, throughout Carved the text, stone. right, when we see, well, <laughs> when we see covenants done, there's usually an animal death that's involved. Right. And so um, it's more like cutting into an animal. Um, but if you, again, covenant is kind of christian stuff, right? What does covenant even mean? Right. We um, throw the term around a lot, but never really get into covenant right it's just a like a serious agreement right it's an agreement in blood that's cut right um again that word for us comes from the latin um in the 1300s so um it's just us trying to come up with how we're going to translate testamentum in latin or um, the greek version so we could say testament, but that wouldn't be very illuminating to people either right. because we right. think of that as meaning the first and the second testament in our Christian Bible. Okay. Well, there we have it. It's a great chapter. There's so much in here that we didn't get to, but um, no. I really enjoyed the conversations that we did have. Yeah, someday. I'm looking forward to uh, In Heaven when we get the cinematic right. rendering that's accurate of, of everything we get to... We get right. to see. I'll be into it. Right. We get to decide. Bring was your it, popcorn. Was it a giant gem or was it a window or <laughs> an oil lamp? Or will we argue about it for eternity? Right. I like to imagine we'll have a, we'll have a reenactment. Yes, we'll ask Noah and he'll say, well, you had to have been there. <laughs> no. <laughs> no hell in heaven. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, send in your questions. We always yes. love to hear. And where can they send those questions to? Algrovefricks at gmail.com. Alrighty. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. This has been the Text in Us podcast. We look forward to joining you all again next week for Genesis chapter 7. That's right. Bye.